Hallelujah. Let's say it together. You don't have to repeat after me. We could just say it together. Are you ready? You ready for the word? Yes. Say the word works. The word works. All right, let's do it. This is my Bible. My Bible is the word of God. The word of God is Jesus Christ. It is my weapon because it is infallible. The word slays sickness. This word defeats demons. This word eradicates hidden faults, deliberate spin, transgressions, and abomination. My Bible is the ultimate truth. This truth invades the darkness and exposes weakness, lies, cowardice, and doubt. My Bible injects hope, love, and trust into my insecurities, demanding that I raise my level of expectation. It assures me that my Lord guarantees that I will triumph over all the forces in this world arrayed against me because he is God of the angel armies. I conquer, I see results, I overcome because of my Bible. Amen. Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, that we do not go by our outside circumstances. We are not distracted by any activity that um, comes into our lives to throw off, off balance. We are focused, we are deliberate, we are warriors, we are conquerors, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you will now stand up within me, Lord, that you would increase so that I could decrease, Lord. That you, Lord, you alone would get the glory, that you, Lord, would speak. Speak, Lord. Lay hands on your ears right now and say, Lord, open my ears, open my ears. that I would hear from you. Lord, we thank you for a word, a due season word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Meet me in Psalm 139, verse 13 through 17. Uh, last week, um, we talked about um, what have you been called, and we're going to wrap that up. Um, what have you been called? And I told you the account about the... Um, the dog in my neighborhood that was just barking, barking, barking uncontrollably, and um, it was in agony. You could just hear it, and it had been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And so, with that, with that uh, barking, finally, my neighbor got up and decided to take activity. And so. Um, People around you may not hear your cry for help, but there, there's scripture that we read last night where Jesus, the woman, came to him and she was asking for help, asking for help. And the Bible says that Jesus ignored her, and that just sounded so crazy that he had ignored her. Why would you ignore somebody when they're asking you for help? And he said the most interesting thing to her. He said that I came to bless the, the children of Israel first, and so I will give it to them first. And she was so adamant about getting something from God and knowing, and she said, um, and he said, I don't give the children's bread to the dogs. So he ignored her, it seemed, first because of her nationality, because she wasn't part of the in crowd. Then he called her a dog. He referred to her as a dog. And she said, Lord, I don't care what you think. Even the dogs get the crumbs. And he finally heard something from her that let him know that she was understanding how valuable what he had was. And so she said, if you just give me a crumb, if you just give me a crumb, 
come, then I can go and my daughter can get healed. And he said, you don't even have to go right now. Your daughter just got healed right now because you're looking at the big picture. And we have to be big picture people and not get our feelings hurt. Because if she would have got her feelings hurt in the very beginning, she would have missed a magnificent and magnificent blessing. But she pushed through until she could get through to the other side. And sometimes God just wants to know, will you push through to get to the other side? When Lazarus died, he was Jesus' closest friend. And it says that Jesus was two to four miles away. And he stayed where he was instead of going to the house to see what was going on. He didn't go and bless his friend. He was raising um, uh, strangers from the dead. But when his friend got sick, he didn't go two or four miles down the road. He stayed where he was. And sometimes this power of God will make it look like God is not working for you. But it says that he waited three days. Why was three days important? He waited three days because the Jews believed that the spirit left the body within three days. And so he was trying to make sure that they saw Lazarus as good as dead, that there was no possibility of him getting up. And then the spirit of God released him to go and said, now go when it's real dead, when it's really impossible, when it's really bad, now go and raise Lazarus from the dead. And the first thing that his sister said, she came outside of her house and yelled at him in the street and said, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't die. And some of us are pointing our finger at God, mad, mad, mad. And God is saying, if you know who you are, if you understand your value, then you would know it wasn't about me trying not to help you. It was about me trying to push you to get something deeper. And so if you go with me to Psalm 139, verse 13 through 17, we are asking the question, what have you been called? And we're also asking even more questions because I talked last week about coaching comes from a platform where you ask questions, where you stimulate thinking, where you stimulate ideas, you stimulate um, conversation. And so God asked the, the first question for today is, what have you been called? Because if people called you a bee or a hoe or, or if they called you a weed head, if they called you uh, a dog, if they called you a, a womanizer, if they called you whatever, if they called you trifling, if they said you were never going to be anything, if they called you those things, then what you tend to do is spirals you down into a life of darkness because you then begin to act like what you've been called. And so you go by what the popular trend of the day is. And so you go, oh, well, my grandmother said, or my father said, or this person said, or the other person said. And because they put that label on me, then I start to act like it. And God didn't come to my rescue, so that must be who I am. And God is saying, no, no, no. I'm trying to see if you're going to stay there in the darkness or if you're going to do something about it. So if you look at Psalm 139 on here, let's read it together because if we look at verses 13 through 17, we get a glimpse of what God says. And I, Nicole, I don't have it in front of me, so I need you to pull it up on screen if you have it um, because I don't have, um, I don't know if you have it, but let me pull it up. Um, or if somebody has it in on their phone or something, you can hand it to me. I just have my notes in front of me. Um, Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, and it says this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are marvelous, wonderful. Your works are fabulous. Your works are amazing. And I know that full well. Another translation says, and my soul knows that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your I saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before any one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, oh God. How vast is the sum of what you're thinking about me. Where, uh, where can I go from your spirit? Let me, let me stop, 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 stop. But he said, how precious to me are the thoughts that you have about me. And so when you ask yourself, who am I? If somebody asked you, who are you, Vanessa? Who are you, Yaya? Who are you, Pastor Joe? Who are you, Sister Claire? Who are you, Teresa? Who are you? If 
if they want to know who you are, then you have to go back to how you were created. And so the writer says this, he says, I the creature, I the person that you created will praise you because I'm fearfully and I wonderfully made. And then he says this, he said, and my soul knows that very well, full well. I have the full capacity to understand that you made my, and me and my soul. And so what is in your soul? Your soul is your mind, your emotions and your will, what you think, what you feel and what you do. So everything about me knows that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so you understand that with this identity is real. So when you think about what you've been called, now we go to 1 Peter 2 and 9 and we look at what identity. Now identity is this, but as we go, as we go there, we're going to read it in two different translations. But as we go there, I want you to understand this about identity. Identity is when you try to associate with a certain group. You associate with being black. You associate with being a woman. You associate with whatever. And so you remember when you were in high school, everything was about being like everybody else. And then you go to college and you're trying to find your identity, but then at the same time, you're forming these different groups and you're trying to get in this grouping when you go to adulthood and you fit in and you go into a city, you see communities are built based on how people identify and you go in certain neighborhoods and you see certain types of people and you go, oh, I fit in here um, based on wherever I go. And so you might go to Boston and you have a lot of intellectuals and you come to California and Hollywood and you have a lot of, of actors and somebody, even if that's not your field, somebody you know is an entertainer. That's just the way we live. And then you, again, there's, there you go. And then you go into the South and you go into, when I lived in Virginia, somebody I knew was in the military. Everybody either they got out of high school and you either went to what? The Navy or the Army or the Marines or Air Force or you go to school. You go to a black university. But somewhere in there you find your identity and you begin to associate. And so identity is sameness. Sameness. It is me, wake her up because she needs this. It is me understanding that I connect with somebody. I connect with somebody because we understand each other. So this is the group that I go in. And so in 1 Peter 2, 9, identity is revealed. Our identity is revealed. And it says this, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. Say chosen people. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. Some say priest, some say priesthood. And then he says a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. He called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And verse 10 says this, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. And once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. So last week I talked about the dog barking and barking and barking in the neighborhood and you could just tell this dog was just chained up and there was something wrong and then we found out that the house wasn't occupied and the people had just left this dog there to make it look like somebody lived there. And so last night we were thinking about the children's curriculum and the praise party and we were like, oh, got to go to 99 cent store and get some items for the kids to make it look like a party in the children's room so they can get the visual with the message. And so we get up late and I was going to go by myself and passenger who was like, I don't feel like going with you, but something tells me I better go I better go I, I gotta go with you so the whole entire family except for Jake I was like just bring Jake at this point everybody's going but Jake stayed home so we go to 99 cent store and it's normal you know we're going around grabbing this grabbing that getting our party our party stuff for the kids and so this woman is there in the gift bag section and she's pulling out you know some tennis shoes some brand new tennis shoes and she's trying to see which size bag they they would fit in and so she's trying to shove them and she's you know holding up bags and she's getting this and you can see I, I could tell with the size of the shoes or 
and everything that she was grabbing, it was a gift for a child, and she was older, so she looked like she was possibly a grandmother getting a gift for her grandchild, and she was calculating, she was serious about getting this stuff. And so for a minute, I was like, she caught my attention, and I was like, what is she? She was like, you know, putting in this bag, taking it out of this bag, and she was like adamant about putting this gift, and she was getting birthday cards and all this stuff, and she was trying to get this gift together. And so, you know, I went on down, my, down by another aisle, so I'm looking at party stuff, and the manager comes by, hey, how you doing? Real nice older black man, and I'm like, oh, sir, I'm doing good, and just, you know, really nice. If you need anything, let me know. I was like, okay, so when we go to do, to pay for our stuff, we're in line, it's a long line. He's, oh, no, 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 come up here, real nice man. Come up here to the front of the line. So we start paying for stuff, and in the middle, I could see him, like, got distracted, and he tells somebody, ring her up, come over here real quick, ring her up, and then he goes over there, and he ends up jamming up the woman that was had the little kid's shoes, and he tells her, I see you, I see you, stop right now. I see you, stop right now, and I just hear her yelling out, you leave me alone, you bee, you bee, and so she's calling the manager of the store a bee because he caught her stealing, and so what he was trying to do while he was ringing up our stuff, he was looking at her across the room, and he was seeing her stuffing some of the stuff in her bag but she had been moving stuff around so much it didn't dawn on me that she was actually you know taking something and so she and he said come here come here come here and he grabs the bag and she, he was not afraid at all and so he's walking away from her and she's yelling at him and she kept calling him a bee and I was like that is so interesting for a woman to call a man this name but she kept saying give me my stuff you bee you bee and she just kept screaming and screaming and I'm thinking about the names that people call us and she was just from her gut she was yelling at this man and he was like putting his his hand up and he starts going he's like get out of my store and then he started calling her name so she kept calling him a b and he kept calling her i can't even i think i blocked it out and i said i was going to remember it just for the sake of this message and he kept calling her name and she was so angry and she started just tor turning over stuff uh, uh, what did he say Ratchet, that's what he kept saying. You're just ratchet, you're just ratchet. And she just kept saying, you're a bee, you're a bee. And they just kept screaming. And Grace was like, mommy, what's going on? And, and Daryl was just like, just stand off to the side. And she just started turning over stuff. Just, she was reaching for just anything that was stacked up, just turning it over. You could just tell from her inside that she was just mad and devastated and she flipped over a can of cans and like you know jumped out of the way just in time before the cans rolled over my feet and so she goes out of the store and then he goes out catches her friend stealing goes outside and gets her bag and I just started realizing that the first thing people do when they're in darkness is they start identifying you as a certain thing they start identifying you. When we get in fights and angry with people, the first thing we try to do, we start thinking, you're a liar, you're a cheater, you're this, you're that. The first thing we want to do is group people into a certain identity and lock them into a darkness. And so what God does, God in this scripture right here, he doesn't speak to you in the singular, he speaks to you in the plural because identity is formed in what? Groups. And so what he's doing is you were in this group with liars, you were in this group with bees, you were in this group with hoes, you were in this group with this and so all these different groups that you're in God goes to you and speaks to you and your entire group and says but you aren't like that what is he talking about he's talking about who you are in the darkness and he's telling you I know you I know you you're not like that you are what a chosen people I'm going to translate you from this dark group and put you in the chosen group I'm going to translate you and say that you are a royal priesthood but Lord I'm sitting in a crack house ugly and dirty and he said no I know who you are this darkness isn't defining you and so people will look at you and they always want to say no you're this this this, this. 
You're stupid. You're never going to be anything. I remember Miles Monroe said he had a teacher that told him he was stupid and he wasn't going to grow and he wasn't this and he wasn't that. And when he got his master's, he ran into that same teacher and she said, ah, so you're a master now. And he said, yes, I am. I have mastered the art of leaving this group and going into this group. And so God sees you un incomplete. God sees you in your darkness and he still speaks to you and says, no, you are holy. You are my very own possession. I know you. You don't belong here. You don't belong. And people will size you up by how you look. They'll size you up and make you a statistic. Size you up. Oh, well, you didn't pass, of course, because you're black. You're a woman. They see me with my handy. You're handicapped. That's, if that's what you see, you don't know what God said about me. So I, the creature, I have to praise you, the creator, because I don't ask you, I don't, I don't come to other people and say, who am I based on the group you see me in right here? I go to God and say, if I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, what group do I belong to? And he said, you're over here with chosen. You, over here with royal priesthood. You, over here with the holy nation. And what he says is this, I've called you what? Out. Out, out. So even if you were in some of those groups, God is saying you can't stay there. I am calling you out of that and into what? The wonderful light. And what it feels like when you get in the light is you feel somebody's exposing me. Oh, they're just trying to talk. No, I'm trying to tell you who you really are. You are not supposed to be here common. You're not common. It's nothing worse than seeing people acting common where you go out and you see a group of women who are saved at a dinner and you see a group of women say, uh, who aren't saved at the bar and they look the same. You are out of the darkness and into the light. There should be a difference on you. A man should look at you and say, oh, I'm sorry for cussing. I realize I'm in the presence of a lady as opposed to I'm in the presence of a hoe. I can talk to you any kind of way. You can't tell those things about me. You can't say those things around me. Come up, people. Come up. So you see, when they're around a kid, I gotta cover their ears because they are holy, they are sanctified, and I have to come out of a darkness atmosphere. I can't do what I used to do because I've been called out of the marvelous light. And so God is telling you, you now have a new identity. Once you had no people, now you have a new. And the worst thing in the world is to see people who don't belong somewhere. You see them and they're, they're scrambling. So the question then begins to, ask, when you see people like this, God is asking the question, who are you? Who are you? Oh, I'm a sister. I'm a dad. I'm, um, I get paid a minimum wage. I'm just, I'm just. Have you ever been somewhere and asked somebody a question or you're on customer service on the phone? I need, I need to know if you can make this decision. Well, I'm just, I got to get a supervisor. I'm not a supervisor. I'm not a manager. I'm not a leader. Leaders have internal motivation where they find answers. Have you ever gone somewhere? And I, I love it because one of, my, one of my mentors in the ministry, he has a CD where he says, I go to McDonald's and I speak to the kids that, I help, that help me at McDonald's and I watch them and I tell them, do you know that how many people come through your drive-thru that could pay you $20 an hour and they're watching you based on how you answer? This guy, I went to McDonald's to get Grace and I got her the, the apple slices, the apple juice and the yogurt. And I stopped and I was about to pull off and I said, hey, can I get a cup of water? And he said, yeah. He gives me a cup of ice water with no lid on it, put filled to the rim. And he just throws it to me in the car. And I said, really? Did it ever dawn to you that this is, and as I'm saying it, it spills all over me in the car. And he's still just looking at me blank. 
He doesn't care. I said, you got to do extra, dude. You don't get people water without a lid. So this is what I need you to do. I need you to go back, give me a glass of ice water and some napkins to dry my clothes off. And I need you to, I need you to think like a leader. Have an internal motivation when nobody, when a supervisor isn't there, when a manager isn't there, where you make a split-second decision because, you know what, I'm chosen. I'm a royal priesthood. I could think my way out of this. I'm a holy, I am a three. I am a 30. I am a warrior. I can, I can think this. If she wants water, let me give it to her. In an extra cup. Uh, uh, we, we were laughing because the barrister at Starbucks told my niece, you're taking too long. You know what? I'm going to make you. She said, you didn't know what kind of drink. I'm going to make you. You mentioned two different drinks. I'm going to make you this one, and I'm not going to charge you, girl. Have a good day. Because she was a leader. She's an intern. And we were at another Starbucks, and we saw her. And I said, I know you because you stand out in the crowd. When I'm over at this place, I've seen you, and you you really have a special knack for helping people. She goes, you remember that I, I'm just over. They transferred me over here because they were short staffed. I know you. And you know it when people are excellent. You know it when people have an internal motivator. And so God is saying, I need you to understand your identity. And it says in Amplified, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues, meaning the power and the perfections of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. What did God do to purchase me? Calvary is not for Easter. Calvary is for that moment when God takes you out of darkness and puts you in the marvelous light. A, a, famous, a favorite preacher of mine, J Joseph Jennings, he, was, he passed away now, but Joseph said, and I, you might remember Joseph Jennings from back in the day, Joseph Jennings said, when I got saved, he said, I was a gangbanger, I was a thug, I was laying in an alley, in a, in, a, in a ditch with bullets in my body, and I was bleeding out, and I said, God, if you get me out of this ditch, I'll serve you. And God took a bargain because what? He knew where he belonged. He knew he was dealing with the man of God. He knew he was part of a holy nation. And God sent somebody and got him out of that ditch, got the bullets out of him. And when he came to God, he was so stuck. He was so stuck on weed and alcohol and drugs. And he said he would get up and just look at his Bible and he would put the weed on the table, put the Bible on the table. And he told God, one of y'all are going to win because this is what I'm addicted to. And God says, you are mine. I bought you. Calvary happens right now. Get up and get free of that because this word has a demand on your future. This word is trying to tell you who you are. So Calvary is a daily experience where the blood of God, the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross takes you, it, it, it envelops you, it gets in you and it pulls you out of dark behavior into the marvelous light. So when you ask the question, who are you? You have to just say, I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care what I look like. I know who I am. I know where I belong. And so God says, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not about you being black. It's not about your race. It's not about any of that. You are a chosen people. And so now, you, at first you ask the question, who are you? And now God looks at you and says, now that I'm calling you out of the darkness, look at 2 Corinthians, 3, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. And now God asks you a question, and he says, are you who is going to listen to me? Are you who is going to make a responsibility? And so now this is the mandate. He says, don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's no partnership. That is war. Is light, is light's best friend, is light best friends with darkness? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Does trust and mistrust hold hands? He says, who would think of setting up a pagan idol in God's house? 
But no, that is exactly what we are. Each of us is a temple in whom God lives. He said, don't defile him yourself. And he said, God himself put it this way. And this is God's promise to you as he's pulling you out. He's pulling you out. Why does this person keep calling me? Why don't you just leave me alone? Why are you always harass me? Why are you telling me to get up and pray? Why are you telling me to show up? Why are you doing this? Because God has a rope on you and he's pulling you out of darkness and say, I'm trying to give you a new identity and it's going to take work. So when I ask you, are you who is going to take responsibility? This is what he tells you. He looks you in your eye as he's pulling you and he speaks this over to you. I will live in you. I will move in you. I will be your God. You will be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. And he says, don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and you are my daughters. He said, and this is from the word of the master God. And so as God is yanking you out of darkness and pulling you into your marvelous life, telling you to leave that identity and come into a new identity, he's telling you, what are you going to do? You have to make a decision that you're going to leave where you were to go to a new place, a place that you don't understand, a place that's not, that, that doesn't make sense. You're not going to understand it because if you did, you wouldn't be dependent on God. And he said, I'm trying to call you out, but you have to do this. And the, the, the other Bible says, he says, come out from among them. You ever heard people say that? Come out from among them and be you separate. Why does he say them as in plural? Because they are groups. There are groups. There are groups that you identify with. And God is saying, I have three groups. Ch chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. Get in it, get in it, and stay in it. If you do that, you go from the first question, who are you? I'm going to take responsibility. Second question, are you who's going to go from the darkness to the light? And then the third question, and then the third thing is not a question now. It's a statement. And God says this to you in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. He says, first, I tell you who you are. Now, then you take responsibility. And third, this is what I do when you make the decision to come. Come out of complacency. Come out of being mediocre. Come out of it and be a three, be a 30. Be the mighty warrior that you know you already are. And this is what I will do. And in the Amplified, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this. And may the God of peace himself. God doesn't send anybody else. God does the work himself. And he says this, I'm going to sanctify you through and through, from the inside out, through and through, from the outside in, through in and out, through and through. This is what he does. I love this because sometimes you'll look in scripture and it says, and the Holy Spirit came on you. And then the second time, the Holy Spirit will come in you. And so you go, God, which is it? Do you come on me with the Holy Spirit or do you come in me? He said, it's both. It's a through and through process. I go over you, to cover up your mistakes. I go in you to fix the internal errors and turn those into internal motivators. And so God says, and may the God himself, the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. And this is what it means to separate you from profane things, make you pure and holy, consecrated to God. And may your spirit, the part that communes with me, and your soul, the mind, emotions, and will, and your body, the part that connects to the world around you, may it be preserved, sound, and complete. And may you be found blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Lord, that's just too much work. That's too much pressure. It's too much pressure. I don't want to be a, a sanctified girl. I don't want to be a holy guy. I don't want to be a whole, I don't want people to think I'm a, uh-uh. It's when you understand he translated me, he pulled me to himself. And this is what the Bible says. He pulls you and draws you with loving kindness. And he says, come out of dark, come into the light, come out of a darkness into the light, come out of that group and get into my group. And he says, you just tell me that you want to leave. I'll do the work to get you out of it and to keep you out of it. 
my mom tells me the story that she was dating this guy and she was just enthralled with him. And he was just awesome. And he was a businessman in the city. And he had a beautiful house on the lake. And he was a widow. And she was a widow. And his daughter was in high school. And I was in high school. And it just seemed like this perfect fit. And they were going out. And everything was wonderful. And she said one day she was getting ready to go meet him. And she was getting dressed. And she went to put her, she was going into the bathtub. And she said, as she put her foot in the bathtub, the Lord said, let him go. And she was like, do what? God said, you heard me. Let him go. She said, I can't. And that's just where some of us get. Can't do it. It's going to cost too much. I don't want to leave it. I love my group. I love it. I don't know everything that's going to cost me, but I'm good. And she said she stood there. God didn't say nothing because he had said everything he was going to say. And she stood her ground and God stood his. She started thinking about the journey she had been on with God. She started thinking about how lost she was when she found God. And she said she stood there and she said this to him in the silence. She said, God, I can't, I can't let him go. And she said, then she said, but you can take him. And that's where you go from your responsibility to God saying, that's all I needed. If you can't leave it, I'll pull you out. And she said that the next week, her job called her and said, oh, she, we were living in Virginia Beach, and she was working as a producer for a 700 Club for CBN. And they said, we need you to go on assignment back to LA, where you're from. I'm going to send you back for a three-week job. She said, cool, no problem. She goes back and starts working. Four weeks later, going to be extended another month. One month later, it's going to be extended. Can you just stay in LA for six months? I got this relationship. Back here, I kind of need to, God says, I got that. You told me I could take it. Let me work this out. She came, by the time she came back, he was married to somebody else. And she said it was about a year later, he ran into her in the store, they went to lunch, and he said, I don't understand what happened. He said, I am sitting here married to somebody else, and now I'm looking at you, and I'm like, what? what? How did we not work? I don't even know what happened. And she said, and she's thinking, I know what happened, but I still don't want to come to grips with that. She's like, yeah, I don't either. He said, you were, you were perfect. You were just everything. If I was going to get married again, you were it. He said, the only problem was you were in the ministry. And I was like, oh, we can get rid of that part and get rid of that. But other than that, you were perfect. And she said, that's it. I didn't see it, but he didn't want me to serve God. And God is like, if you can just walk me through, if you just let me tell you because you're in the dark and there's nothing worse than waking up in the middle of the night to go get a glass of water and you're stumbling around in the darkness and you hit your foot and it's like you don't realize how much force you work with it. You're like, eh, ah, ah, ah. God is like, you can't see what's in the dark. He said, but if you let me draw you out of the darkness into the marvelous light and... Let me call you a chosen, holy, royal, royal. God says, are you, are you a three or a 30? Because it doesn't matter which, but even are you even one of them? Because if you are really trying to be that person whose name is remembered in history, you got to make some tough decisions. And Whoopi Goldberg, said this, Whoopi Goldberg said this, and it never left me. She said, the hardest thing, the hardest thing about success 
leaving my friends behind. And you have to decide sometimes the hardest thing about serving God, leaving the darkness behind, leaving that group, leaving those people. Nothing worse than being disconnected and you go back and then all of a sudden when the light's on, you're like, that's what I was doing? Boy, you go back and you're like, great is thy mercy towards me. Great is your love. You see a whole new view. And God is saying, you can't even see where you are, who you are. And so he asks you the question, who are you? Are you, who is gonna make a, are you the one who's gonna make a tough decision? And then he says, you are who I will sanctify through and through and through and through. I will go in you, fix it. I will go out of you, fix it. I will go on you and fix it. You just have to tell me, but you can take it. Whatever the addiction is, whatever that act is, whatever, the, I read something as simple as this, somebody put online, they said, every now and then I just fast, fast from coffee just to make sure I can give it up sometime. Because some of the thing is, some of the groups we're in, we just think it's just, it's cool, it's not, it's just, my aunt Starletta said, she, we laugh about it in the family, but she said one time her and my mom were in New York, they were young, and they were hanging out, and mom, she got my mom high for the first time. They were supposed to be at a cute boat ride party. She said when they woke up, they were in some part of New York they had never been in, and mommy was like, girl, what did you give me? What did you give me? She said, girl, it's just some weed. Calm down. And so in our family, it's just an internal joke where you think somebody can handle it, and they can't. You go, it's just weed. And she goes, this is, you might be able to handle it. I can't. They get back to Philly. How was the boat ride? Yeah, that didn't happen. What are you going to do? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your marvelous light. Lord, there's been a deposit. There's been a deposit. There's been a deposit. We got to come up. And the word echoes. If we don't know the word, then we don't know the mandate. And if we don't know the mandate, we live mediocre. And we have to know the mandate that we're under when we call ourselves believers. But we don't do it ourselves. We do it with God and with God alone. And the mandate you gave us in the word, it says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Let go of the darkness. Let go of the darkness. Let go of the darkness. Lord, sometimes it's hard to be a three when you're in a crowd of a thousand. There are some 30s chilling on Sherman Way, hanging out on Sepulveda, going to lunch on Ventura. And they just need somebody to say, come out from among them. There's something greater for you to accomplish. And there are people trying to dull the internal motivator on the inside of them. That's saying, come on, come on, leave that group and go to the group that you belong to. You're holy, you're royal. There are some women that are just using their bodies in random ways because they don't understand. You're holy, you're royal. I bought you. Lord, let us understand the power of the blood and let us not be those that will waste your blood and mock you on the cross. And when we stay and when we choose to live in darkness and we don't come out into the marvelous light, then we're mocking you. We're saying, yeah, you can lay up on that tree if you want to, but you can't deliver me from this. 
But Lord, it's that real. Your word can deliver us. Open us, God. Open us. Open us. If you're here right now and you're just, you might be saying, I got to come out. I got to get deeper. I've been living any kind of way, but something in me says, I'm a 30, I'm a three. I am part of David's warriors, the three that were remembered in history because they fought back to back till the end. Or the 30 that were champions and would be willing to go the extra mile. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Are you who God has called from the beginning of the world? to be greater than you are right now? Why exist when you can live? Why be stuck when you can be planted? Why be next to the man when you can be the man? Come up into the light. The scripture to go is gonna come up. And I need you to marinate. I need you to think. I need you to think. I need you to think this week. God is telling somebody it's time. It's time for you to do more. It's time for you to be more. Don't waste the blood. Don't waste the blood. Yeah, this is not the best church, but this is the church that God has planted you in. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word. Brothers and sisters, we urge you. You got to warn those who are lazy. You have to encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. Some people are lazy. Some are fearful. Some are weak. But we are all a chosen people. We are all a royal priesthood. We are all part of a holy nation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Got to meet them where they are. Got to meet people where they are. That's what the Lord tells me all the time. One of my mentors said to me that the world is full of brilliant, exceptional people who will never rise above mediocrity. Mediocrity. 